0: Just visit Wired.com and use the promo code GL20 to get 20% off a digital subscription. Use GL20 to get exclusive access to stories on the latest innovations like AI, deepfakes, and VR, as well as today's most talked about people in technology.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Michael Calori, and you are listening to The Gadget Lab, a podcast about the gadgets, apps, and services that you need to know about and how they impact our lives. I am joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Arielle Pardes. Hello! And Lauren Good.
2: Hello! It's not just about technology, sometimes it's a miniature lesson in Latin, as we learn the meaning of words like stadia.
3: Is it stadia or <laughs> also stadia? Also
4: the pronunciation stadia? of words like stadia. <laughs>
3: Stadia! That's right. Later on in the show, we're going to have a live, in-person interview with Wired's own Peter Rubin, who will tell us all about Google's new cloud gaming service, which is called just that. Stadia? Stadia? Hi, Peter.
4: I think Ariel ruined us for the rest (laughs) of the podcast. It's Stadia.
3: Stadia? All right. Uh, by the way, if you are a longtime listener of this podcast, or if you're a first-time listener of this podcast, we want to hear your feedback. Tell us what you like. Tell us what you'd like to see us do more of. You can leave us comment, comments on iTunes and Google Play and anywhere else that you listen to this podcast. You can also go to our website. Google Plus. Google. <laughs>
0: Not for long. Google Wave. RIP
3: Google Plus. You can tweet MySpace. at us. We'll give you our Twitter, Twitter handles later on in the show.
0: Put us in your top eight.
3: And, <laughs> and uh... Yeah, leave us your feedback.
0: And we also have something very special to tell you, our faithful listeners. We have put together a special offer that you can redeem at wired.com slash flash sale. The offer lets you buy one year of Wired for $5, which is 50% off our standard subscription price. You could choose to get the print magazine mailed to you and full access to the website, or you can just get the digital only option without the magazine. Both are $5. You get to pick whichever one you want, and it costs the same amount of money if you want the magazine or you don't, and it's 5 bucks for the first year. Don't miss out. Wired.com slash flash sale.
3: You'll also get a lip gloss with that because we're doing flash sales now. Are we? No, I don't know. It's like Kylie Jenner. She's made a lot of money off of lip glosses. I think we should do it.
0: Okay. Wire, okay. Wired lip gloss.
3: That's right. I'm into it. All right. <laughs> anyway, let's get on to
2: the news of the week. Yes.
0: All right. I'll go first. Change your Facebook password like right now. On Thursday this week, a report was put out by the news website Krebs on Security, which outlined a bug in Facebook's password management system. The bug caused hundreds of millions of user passwords for Facebook, Facebook Lite, and Instagram to be stored on internal Facebook servers as plain text. This means that your non-encrypted, non-protected password would have been easily searchable by Facebook employees or anyone who accessed Facebook's password management system. Uh, Right around the same time, Facebook put out a statement saying that it discovered this problem in January and that it has since been fixed and that it does not have any evidence that anyone inside or outside of Facebook abused or improperly accessed the stored passwords. Facebook says it's going to alert the users who may have been affected. But as of this taping, the company says it is still not resetting the passwords. So... Please go do it yourself.
3: That's encouraging. Mm-hmm. Have we gone through a single podcast in the past few months without talking about Facebook?
0: Yeah. And specifically like <laughs> some gaff or some security <laughs> yes. hole yes. in the platform? I mean,
3: if you are if you're any startup right now who is thinking of launching an online service, it is absolutely irresponsible if you are not learning from all of these mistakes of our previous wonderful internet services and taking internet security and data storage and privacy very seriously. Yes. It, this just keeps on going.
2: Yeah, it's a wonderful template in how to move fast and break all the things <laughs> <laughs> and then break some more and then build some more things and, and break them as well.
0: Uh, so what is supposed to happen is you type your password into the um, the, you type your password into the website. The website stores your password by hashing it, scrambling it, mm-hmm. and then storing it on an encrypted drive somewhere. And so if anybody were to get onto that drive and get the password, they still would not be able to see what it was because it's been scrambled. So it just looks like a bunch of gobbledygook and not your actual password. Um, what Facebook was doing here was storing it just as the regular old plain text. And it's just really bad. Like, you should not even do that on your own computer. Uh, and Facebook did that for, I mean, it's hard to imagine, but like hundreds of millions of people, what percentage of its user base is that?
3: Well, they have over 2 billion users, right? right? So it's a it's a pretty significant amount of users, number yeah. of users. Also, they knew about this in January. They didn't say anything.
0: Yeah, they didn't say anything. And Brian
3: Krebs blew it wide open.
0: Well, change your Facebook password.
4: Mm-hmm. Also, what percentage of those passwords was just password? Probably 30%. <laughs> we are talking Don't shame about me, Facebook. Peter. <laughs>
3: Don't The other shame 30% me. was 1, 2, 3,
4: 4, 5, I'm It's
3: now
2: going to be Dragon.
4: <laughs> dragon
2: one. All right. Well, after you change your Facebook and your Instagram password, get out your credit card because Instagram has a new way for you to buy things. Uh, If you've ever scrolled through the app and found something that you wanted to buy, you probably already know two fundamental truths. One is that Instagram has an uncanny ability to surface the exact thing that you never knew you needed, but absolutely, without a doubt, must have in your life. This happens to me all the time. It's really freakish. Um, Two, it's really awkward to actually make those purchases on Instagram. So as of about a year ago, the app lets brands create shoppable posts that display a product and its pricing. But then when you click on it, you have to go through this really clunky mobile web flow to actually buy the thing. So it like opens a mobile version of the website inside of the Instagram app. So you have this like layered mobile web flow and it's just really awkward and feels insecure and bad. So now Instagram is changing that. It is rolling out an in-app checkout function, which is designed to make the experience of shopping on Instagram totally frictionless. And I think this is totally genius on Instagram's part. First, it expands what Instagram is for, right? People are already spending a lot of time browsing through brand posts and using the shopping tab in Instagram Explore. So the company is just leaning into that experience of being something like your digital mall. Yeah. But second, it open, it opens up the possibility for Instagram to make a ton of money. It's cutting a cut of sales from all of those transactions that happen in the app. It wouldn't say how much, but you can just imagine the potential there, right? Like Instagram has all of this data on you. It basically has like a personal dossier of every single person who has an Instagram account and what brands they follow and what targeted ads their eyes linger on a little too long and what their friends are buying. So you take all that information, you surface the product that this person is like 100% likely to buy, you make it really, really easy for them to buy it, that could be a tremendous, tremendous business for Instagram.
3: How much more data does it give Instagram? Like if, right now, if I were to buy something on Instagram and I went through that clunky mobile web f- flow that you mentioned, and I, I think I've been through before, I would still assume that like Instagram would know that they kicked you out somewhere and that you bought something. What do they know about you now that is more... I don't know, intense or more substantive. Substantive, that's the word I'm looking for. Stadia, it's pronounced Stadia. Right, what kind of Stadia data do they have on you now?
2: Well, I I think it's hard to say Instagram, like the rest of Facebook, is a little bit cagey about what it knows and what it doesn't know. Um, But just sort of speaking to the way that e-commerce works in general, like right now, Instagram may or may not know the actual purchases you're making. It knows probably what you're clicking on, what you're browsing through, what you're following. Um, But when you get kicked off of the platform and open something in like mobile Safari. It doesn't necessarily know what you're actually buying or how much more you're buying on that website than the thing that you originally clicked on to get there, right? So you can imagine that they'll have a lot more data on like what people's actual purchasing patterns are and that is super valuable in terms of surfacing even more products. So RIP to our bank accounts.
0: <laughs> What's their cut, 12 and a half percent?
2: They wouldn't say.
4: I bet it's 12 and a half percent.
2: Why do you think that's it?
4: Uh, it's my it's my educated guess. All right. It's not a bad guess. No. Epic Game Store is twelve percent. Yeah, which is low, lower than alternatives, but has like people love it, or developers love it because it's less than thirty. Yeah. And oh, by that's considering crazy. how many people a business can reach using Instagram, I would imagine that they're going to be like anything that's more than five, mm-hmm. or anything that's less than fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I. I don't know why I'm here. Stop <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, if you have any money left over after you have been shopping on Instagram, then maybe you'll want to buy some new Apple products because Apple made a series of understated announcements this week around new refreshed products. Hardware. Normally, Apple has a spring event or some type of event where all the executives trot out on stage and they talk about like bionic processors and all that cool stuff and laminated retina displays. This time it was just the news was announced through a series of online press releases and some completely memeable Tim Cook tweets. So on Monday, they announced a refresh to iPads, uh, specifically iPad Air and iPad Mini. On Tuesday, there was a refresh of the iMac. That's the regular uh, iMac, not the iMac Pro. On Wednesday, we woke up to news of new AirPods, which had been long rumored. It's the second generation of AirPods. And then actually today, uh, Wired published its review, my review, of the iPad Mini. So if you're interested in buying the iPad Mini, you might want to go check that out. But yeah, this was a pretty noteworthy departure from Apple's Usual very buzzy events where they cram a bunch of people into the Steve Jobs Theater and there's hands-on time afterwards where you know the people invited get to go and feel and touch the products and in this case it was just like hey here they are and that may be partly because Apple is gearing up for an event that's happening on Monday March 25th that is largely going to be media focused so we expect to hear more about new services and video streaming services at that event but in terms of hardware no spring hardware event it seems.
0: Mm-hmm. And you and Peter will be at the event on uh,
4: on Monday as well. Yeah? Yes, we will. We will. Great.
3: We will. We will be there with our new AirPods and our and our tablets. Did that... you get new AirPods? No, I have not. Got no, the they AirPods.
4: hand them to you when you walk in. Uh... <laughs> That's what I've been led to believe about Apple events. That's true, right?
2: The craziest thing about all these new products is that I know a lot of people who have already pre-ordered stuff. Like the of number the, of people. Of the new
4: refreshed items? Yeah,
2: yeah. The number of people I know who are like uh, already pre ordered my new AirPods was just like staggering to me.
3: Well, apparently, Apple has s- the AirPods. Let me put it this way AirPods are now. Supposedly, the most popular wireless headphones in the world. And that's Apple likes to say that, but they say that that's according to uh, a third party research firm. Um, I'm trying to think of which one it was, Future Source maybe. And then um, there's another research firm, Counterpoint, that has also indicated that Apple is leading the market on wireless headphones. So when you think about the fact that they've only been out since, let's see, it was late 2016 that they were first introduced. And they were a totally new form factor for Apple because it was the first time they were going totally wire-free, which is a hard thing to get right. We've seen Samsung do it, Sony does it, the Brocky Dash were one of the first pairs. Um, and like in a relatively short amount of time, they've managed to make these funny looking white sticks in your ears incredibly popular. And I think that says a lot about how, how fun they are to use, honestly.
4: Well, they work. Yeah. And they also, you know, I would, I would guess that that third-party metric has everything to do with the fact that Apple only has one SKU, right? There's the AirPods. You buy them or you don't. Yeah. Depending on what other companies' products you buy, you have three or four wireless options to choose from. JLab or uh, Epic or, or that. Is that the same? J- and Jaybird. Jaybird. JBird. Mm-hmm. J-Bird, J-Bird. Epic, yep, absolutely. Uh, beats whoever. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, Beats, of course, being another Apple brand. And another thing that's really um, worth noting about Apple's new product announcements is, it, like, when they come out with these things, now they always make a point to say it's with our custom chip. So the AirPods have this new chip that they're calling the H1. This is different from the W1 that was introduced in the first pair of AirPods. And they make a point to say this is custom design architecture that has been uh, made and crafted specifically for the type of interactions we are trying to accomplish with these things. They do the same thing with their iPads and their iPhones. And everything else we see, they say this is well, with the exception still of its of its um, personal computers, you know, they which are still running on Intel for the most part. Like they say, like here's our custom made chip, and that is supposed to be one of the differentiators of their products because they own the full stack. So, um, so yeah, no no event, but we will be at one on Monday where Peter and I will be blogging like crazy cats typing on keyboards furiously.
4: Yes.
0: <laughs> well. Um, why don't we get a little preview of the Lauren and Peter show right now and uh, switch. Peter, will will start grilling you um, right now
4: uh, with questions that we have about Google Stadia. Oh, my God. I'm so excited. I, also, I didn't know if I was supposed to talk or not in everything leading up to right now. So sometimes I did, and I apologize if I wasn't supposed to. <laughs> That's okay. I'll just edit you out.
0: Perfect. It's, it's, it's computer technology. It's like magic. You just Excellent. go over there. It's gone. Yeah. It's a derubinization yeah. filter Ooh, that's good. Yeah, that we it's, use. It's, this, on the it's amazing
3: software called Exersadia. Kind of like, no, I don't know. I just made that up.
0: Uh, so, Peter Ruben, hello, Hi. welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I love being here, guys.
2: <laughs> First question: Can you please correct the record? Is it Stadia? Stadia? Stadia. It's
4: Stadia. <laughs> Stadia? Uh, it is Stadia. Uh, everything that I have heard, including out of the mouth of Phil Harrison, who is the head of uh, cloud gaming at uh, at Google, calls it Stadia, and he has a British accent. So if anyone's going to call Stadia, <laughs> it's him. But he doesn't. <laughs> like, uh, so set the scene for us: um, Game Developers Conference this week. Game Developers. Game developer. Game developer conference this week, uh, a few weeks prior to it, Google sends out an email saying we are having an event at GDC, which while they've had a presence at GDC has never really said we're going to do a big keynote. And so everybody thought something was up and all science pointed to this. And now everyone has known that Google has been kind of ramping up efforts on cloud gaming last october they did this thing they didn't call it a beta test it really was it was called project stream and if you took part in it you could play assassin's creed odyssey through a chrome browser and this was a triple a game this was one of the biggest games of 2018 graphically intensive uh it's from a very popular franchise by ubisoft and you could play it in a browser and so everyone saw this, and it performed really solidly. So everyone knew what they were kind of capable of and, and wondered what the next step would be. And there was all this reporting coming out starting after that to what Google was working on. And the, the, everything was pointing to this thing called Project Yeti, which was a combination of a service and a piece of hardware. Maybe it was a stripped down box that was like not exactly a console, but something like an Apple TV, but... Or for, like a shield. Like a shield, um, exactly. So... Uh, first Sundar Pichai comes out um, and doesn't say much he says I don't know anything about gaming I just play FIFA a lot Um, and everyone (laughs) laughed Uh, and then Phil Harrison came out who came from Microsoft uh, has a long career in video games and the other big hire that happened in that space before the GDC event just by way of, of preface was Jade Raymond who was a very kind of well respected creative director and developer at Ubisoft had gone to Google some time ago And people knew this, but it was never announced. So a few days before the Google event, she said, I can finally say that I'm at Google. She didn't exactly say what she was doing. She just said, I'm working on gaming. So brings us back to this event. Phil Harrison comes out, uh, says on YouTube, people streamed 50 billion hours of game content in 2018, and we thought, well, we love gaming. We love watching gaming. How can we bring these two things together? And their answer was this thing called, Altogether now, Stadia. Stadia. Uh, which is, it's, it's a bunch of things in one. It's kind of a big wrapper of a name. Um, uh, not like big pun, but like uh, <laughs> an actual wrapper. Uh, rest in peace. Um, so the way it works is uh, Google uh, – It's not Google Stadia. It's just Stadia. So there is a controller, a Wi-Fi enabled controller called the Stadia controller. And that is what kind of deals with the data that's coming from the cloud. So you will use – it's not the only – Thing that you can use to play games, and we'll get to that in a second. But basically, you buy a game, which you can do through YouTube, you can do through any kind of a link, you can do it from a, a Google search result. Um, you buy a game, and then you launch it on almost any device you have, which we will also on, get to in Chrome. a second. Through Chrome or through an app uh, or through Chrome OS. okay Um, There are a bunch of different ways, Uh, and it launches essentially in a browser or in an app that may be a bit of a browser-type buried experience. It's like a browser by any other name. Um, And your controller is what's communicating with Google's massive server farms. They have this architecture that can, they say can handle these games, including... Uh, huge multiplayer experiences and give them to you at imperceptible latency. Now latency is always the big problem with cloud gaming. A lot of Mm -hmm. companies have tried to do this in the past but if you are playing a game and you push a button to jump and your character doesn't jump for another 50 milliseconds or whatever then you could very well die. Um, And that gets even more complicated when you're playing multiplayer. And so last year I believe I came on the podcast to talk about this. Microsoft kind of showed a little peek at Project X Cloud, which is their version of cloud gaming. Now we know what Google is working on with cloud gaming. Uh, and we also know that Amazon is working on something. And, and
3: Amazon already has Twitch, but Amaz- Twitch is just to watch other people doing things.
4: As of right I- now, but so right. is YouTube. And now YouTube is being used as a game delivery and mm-hmm. distribution device. It's also being used as a conduit into other people's games. So there are a bunch of features that are wrapped into Stadia. A really interesting one is something called Crowd Play, in which if someone is live streaming a game that they're playing on Stadia, which is possible, there's a capture button uh, on the controller, So not only does everything you do get stored for yourself, if you want it to, kind of like Google Photos, but you can choose to stream 4K, 60 frames per second, directly to YouTube. Either just to you, to select friends, or to YouTube at large. So let's say you're a big YouTube creator uh, and you're streaming a game. Crowd play means that there's a button on the YouTube page of your live stream. Someone can click on that, launch into the same game, ideally into the same game that the live streamer is playing and plays along with them or plays against them. So this is bananas. So I'm
0: sitting at my desk and I'm bored and I watch a YouTube trailer for a game Mm -hmm. and then the trailer ends after 90 seconds or whatever and then like a little box comes up and says, do you want to play this game right now? Yeah. And then I I say, yeah, and I pick up the controller Uh and I launch the game and then the YouTube video window goes full screen Uh and then I'm playing the game and then I start doing really well, so then I press another button and now I'm broadcasting on YouTube. That's right. And now there are dozens of people around the world who are watching my broadcast on YouTube and then they pick up their
4: controllers and click their buttons and now I'm playing against them. That's correct. How much does all of this cost? No one knows. This is the best part. (laughs) This was like the developer focused big unveil. So this summer, Many more details are going to come out. I'm sure they're going to do something around E3, if not at E3, then time to that big video game show. They're saying it's going to be out in time for holiday 2019. Okay. Now, uh, the other thing that we didn't mention about this is, yes, you are at your desk and you're bored and you watch a trailer and you buy a game, but then you have to go somewhere. So you hit pause and then you take out your Pixel phone when you get to where you're going and you start playing the game exactly where you left off. So it's (laughs) multi-device. And so the whole idea behind this is you can go from device to device to device. And and their big kind of showing this off is they went from – I'm not going to get the order of this right. They started out playing a game on a Chromebook and then they switched to a Pixel 3 and then they switched to a PC and then they switched to a Pixel – whatever the Pixel tablet is called.
3: Pixel Pixel slate, we're Uh, all looking at each other. (laughs) Slate, and then
4: (laughs) and then there was a fifth one, but it just kept it kept going kind of seamlessly. And so the big questions are these: It's Wi-Fi. What kind of connection are you going to need for this? Uh, Two, YouTube has its issues. And when you're inviting, giving people the ability to jump into someone else's game, how is this not going to be misused? How are people not going to start, like, brigading or griefing people who are streaming? Um, Three, how is this going to deal with YouTube's other kind of systemic issues, which is leading people down paths of uh, ill repute, let's say, ideologically ill repute, about radicalizing people, and you're going from game content, and it's not very many autoplay options until you get somewhere else, and so... Uh, there are a lot of questions that have not been answered, um, including price and availability. And
3: they didn't say anything about moderators or mm, moderation.
4: Nothing. Nothing. Wow. They said nothing about moderators. That is moderators. crazy
3: when you consider the backdrop of news they're announcing this against.
4: Right. And you would think that talking about and making a big show of the tight integration with YouTube, which is at once an incredible advantage and an albatross, depending, um, if you don't get out in front of this. And so one of the immediate reactions out in the world, i.e. on Twitter, was, oh, great. You know, this is, this is going to be an absolute uh, kind of flaming pile We don't know what's going to happen.
0: I wonder if there are controls to turn off things like group play. What's it called? What's that feature called? Uh, uh, Crowd play. Crowd play.
4: Uh, I'm sure. Yeah, there there are going to be tweakable preferences and settings, definitely. Um, And I would imagine that if you are opening a conduit into someone else's game, they are going to have to be in control of that. and, of course, that means someone else is going to say, well, how can I brute force my way into this person's game? <laughs>
3: yeah. Is this the kind of thing where if people start recording their 4K, 60 frames per second game sessions, that they're going to be incentivized to upgrade all of their Google Cloud Storage accounts? Because that's I mean, so much media.
4: It's so much media. And and uh, I talked to Phil Harrison before the event, and I asked just that question. And he said, think of it like Google Photos, where you will have it at a certain quality Unlimited, but if you want to go up to that kind of 4K, 60 frames per second, you're going to end up kind of, there's a premium tier.
2: I have a question. Yeah, and, and forgive me if I'm wrong here, um, but it seems like Google has not had much of a presence in gaming in the past.
4: Google, no, not outside of Android. Uh, Not outside of Google Play. Um, And Google also has a pretty well-known history of starting things and then maybe not following through or backing quietly away from. Right. This feels a little bit different to me. Not so much in the uh, personnel moves that they've made. If you're going to launch something like that, you're going to want games veterans. Um, More so in they have a money printing machine in YouTube. And if you can turn that from a consumption device to a distribution uh, or, or a game delivery device and untether it from the idea of consoles and formats, that is a hugely, uh, like a, potentially a hugely lucrative endeavor. Um, and so what remains to be seen are issues of scale, issues of Wi Fi availability. Microsoft's own project is not Wi Fi only they say you can play it um, kind of anything that's kind of 5 megabits per second or faster. And uh, Stadia's kind of own testing seems to have pointed to the fact that they were doing stuff on a 200 megabit per second rate. Like that's one of Comcast's highest tiers. Like Blast is 250 or something like that. So the other thing about this is it works with Chromecast. It works with uh, Pixel phones. And slates, it works with um, any laptop using a Chrome browser, or any Chromebook using Chrome OS. What it does not work on is iOS devices. So, as any device as they try to make it seem, it's also uh, if you want to play, you're going to have to buy a Google pool.
3: Even if you're running Chrome on even your if you're iPhone. running
4: Chrome, that Ooh. is not it's Chrome on other things, uh, but not a Chrome browser on an iOS device. That's so
3: unlike Google.
4: Yeah.
0: It's also, I mean, it it is a pretty significant barrier, but it, it is mitigated a bit by the fact that so many new televisions are Chromecast ready.
4: Well, they did. So they said something kind of interesting at the event was that they specifically mentioned a single Chromecast dongle, not a Chromecast enabled uh, TV. The Chromecast Ultra, Ultra. 4K. Yep. That's yeah. the one that they pointed to. So I would imagine that in the future that's gonna enlarge that's gonna expand, just kind of the way Apple TV did or or um, other other folks have done. Mm-hmm. Um, in the beginning, uh, and in the beginning, it's also U.S., Canada, U.K., and a lot of Europe. But it doesn't seem like it's going to roll out widely in Asia or Africa or the Middle East uh, or South America necessarily. What about VR? I asked them about that. Um, that is going to be they. They didn't say no, but they did said not. They did say not yet. Um, the amount of. I mean, there is this um, WebXR. Standard, which allows you to kind of have immersive experiences through a web framework, but it's the amount of data and a multiplayer VR experience that you can have now doing that without the compute happening locally feels like it is just there's so like exponentially more to do because not only do you have to deliver 60 frames per second, um, whether or not it's 4k you also have like if someone just spins in a circle you have to get all that you have to render all that you have to render a 360 degree world that people move within much faster than they could otherwise um so they see google's server architecture as something that will enable this down the road and i think anybody who's doing any sort of a gaming enterprise let alone a a cloud gaming enterprise is looking at xr as a future kind of application of this but not yet
0: so, um, if you look at the other people who are doing this, right? There's um, Microsoft, Xbox, Project X Cloud. Uh, possibly, Amazon is positioned to launch something through Twitch.
4: Yeah, the the, the reporting who, who slash rumor mill seems to point to the fact that that's not going to happen for another couple of years. Um, but it is something that there there are very few companies that have the server infrastructure already that can do something like this. Microsoft has Azure. Google has Google Cloud or Google everything yeah (laughs) Uh, uh amazon has aws um and so there are other companies that are trying to do cloud gaming uh nvidia is trying to do it with geforce um there's there's something called blade uh there's there's there are other things but even the upstarts like the price of admission is so high and if you don't have that infrastructure that can back this up then you're risking bringing out a product that's nothing like you're promising which has doomed things in the past.
0: Um, so I want to ask a little bit more about this controller. Yeah. Now, if I get the controller, I, I assume that like I have to log into the controller or make the controller mine or pair it with my device somehow. How does How does that work?
4: That is one of those things that they didn't really get into. But there is one thing about the controller that we haven't mentioned, and that is not only does it have a capture button, but it has a Google Assistant button. Because the other thing that they see this as leveraging YouTube really well for is you're playing something... And you get stuck and you say, "Okay, Google, how do I solve this level or how do I get past this trap? And then what happens is you essentially get thrust into like a a let's play or a walkthrough using Google's vast library of these things that kind of gets you through this. So there's voice control to harness Google's other stuff to bring in all these other things to kind of help your gaming experience. As for that kind of controller authentication, it's one of those things that they were just like, ta-da, it's shiny. Don't ask us questions about this. We'll tell you more later.
3: <laughs> Was it actually shiny?
4: It's white. Mm-hmm. Uh it's white. It's it's a really generic looking game controller. It it uh it's kind of shaped like an Xbox game pad. Though the thumbsticks are in a different place, it just looks like a kind of generic off-the-shelf USB controller, which you can also use. You can use a USB controller which will connect to a device via USB-C, so that if you don't want to buy the Stadia controller but you do want to, like, y- buy a game using it and use the cloud service, you can use any USB controller you have.
3: I'm looking at it right now, and you're totally right. It looks like an Xbox controller, mm-hmm. just white. Some, and some and things I imagine got we'll kinda get moved around with grubby hands. You know, if you're like reaching in the chip bag with one hand and then like, I don't know.
0: Well, you know, they actually sell these things now. They're like, they're little sponges basically in dishes that sit on your, on your table. And it's like, you can get them, it's a Kickstarter. You can get them online. It's like for when you eat a chip and then your hands are greasy and then you wipe it across a sponge
2: <laughs> Oh. and then you God. can go back oh. to
0: your phone or your computer or your game controller and not get grease it's, all over it. It's like one
2: disgusting. of those things that people that have, really like cashiers gross. have. Everything
3: about yes. cashiers have a little pad, you know, where you. But I, I know, thought that was, really that, never that, that was so that
4: they could like separate the but, dollar well, bills. That,
3: that's true. But it, it provides like a little bit of moisture. Right. Isn't that what it's supposed to do?
2: I'm so re- revolted by this. So someone's
4: like, sponge is just going to be caked with cool ranch? Also, it's like it
2: conjures this idea of, like, the person who lives in a basement and games all day. Yeah, and, like, Ryan
4: really leaned into the, and, like, and, like, so what disgusting, slothful I You like, can't it. be
2: bothered to, like, eat your meal in, like, a dining room and in a room that has, like, windows. Dining room? I my judgment We buy avocado was aimed toast. toast. We can you've
4: afford just, dining. You just got
2: like your <laughs> bag of chips, and like you can't be torn away from your like. Shut keyboard.
4: up, mom! <laughs> Slaying a dragon.
2: I will say that I
3: was aiming my judgment squarely at Google for building a white controller, and not to the folks who <laughs> shut yeah, their mouths in game. Why and isn't it bright
4: that? Dorito orange?
0: Why <laughs> right. didn't they
4: think about this? Come
0: on. Um, okay, so, so a little bit of soothsaying before we before we move on here, Peter. This comes out, and you know fall of this year,
4: what happens? Well, so this year, I think, is going to be a really interesting one because a lot of companies are going to end up tipping their hand as to what the next generation looks like. Um, This is the year that Xbox uh, and Microsoft are expected to talk not just about xCloud at E3, but also whatever the next Xbox is. Um, Same with Sony, even though they've said they're not going to be at E3. Like what is the, whatever the PlayStation 5 or its equivalent is, probably not going to come out this year, but we're going to know a lot more this year. So the question then becomes holiday, let's say November of 2019, Stadia comes out. What are people going to do? Are they going to say, well, I've spent my whole life my whole gaming life in the xbox or playstation ecosystem or i'm a diehard pc gamer or i have a nintendo switch or are they going to say well i like playing the same thing everywhere i go and the success of the nintendo switch kind of pointed to the fact that people want to be able to kind of have a home gaming experience that transitions into a portable gaming experience they can do that without having to tote kind of a single device around it's an attractive proposition and so the question i think becomes Is it going to attract people who want to play these big, intensive AAA games? Or is it going to be people who are like, well, I just kind of like games. And so maybe instead of a phone, I will use this and my phone to play something that's in between. I mean, they're really trying to be seen as an alternative for big blockbuster games. And if they can deliver... Like, we've seen that Fortnite, you can play it on everything from uh, an Android or iOS phone to a Nintendo Switch to a PC, including crossplay across all those platforms. This changes that proposition a little bit. This says you can play it on anything you have, but it's all kind of one platform now. It's just a platform that y- you can't see. So it's just kind of the the what is the conduit you're using into this game experience? That is increasingly going to become the default. The question is timing. Is this something people are going to want in 2019? Or is this something that people are going to want to wait for what the next generation of console, if that does exist, is that going to be the thing that they go with? Like, will the next Xbox have xCloud functionality built into it? Or will mm-hmm. there just be like an xCloud service you can buy and then have everything on the go?
0: Right.
4: Well, it's fascinating. Can't wait to see where it goes. Stadius.
0: Stadius. And is Stadia. it going to come with Stadia. one of those sponges? Is what I must uh. know. It's got to at least come with a case, right? Does it come with Goat Simulator?
4: Can I play Goat Simulator?
3: Mike's favorite game.
4: I would am- So, So an interesting thing about this is... Every game platform has things that you can and can't play. And sometimes that's because something is exclusive to a console, or sometimes it's because an ecosystem hasn't talked to that developer and gotten the rights to sell that game. Um, So where do you play Goat Simulator on?
0: Uh, My Pixel. I would guess, yeah. 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 Most likely. Most likely. Uh, All right. Well, thank you for telling us all about Stadia. Stadia.
4: How do you pronounce it? Stadia Cominici.
0: (laughs) Um... We are now moving into the last segment of the show where we ask you to provide a recommendation for us and for our listeners.
4: Oh, man, I it can go be first?
0: It can be a book. It can be a podcast. It can be a television show. It could be a movie. It could be an article. It could be a gadget.
4: Well, so there's, I have kind of two things. One is because we were talking about food before the podcast, and I realized that I had a food recommendation that is something that anyone can enjoy. Uh, so Whole Foods store brand, which I'm a huge fan of, because like they sell a lot of overpriced stuff, but they also it's sell... Like-
1: Three, is, is that like 365? Yes, but sometimes it's
4: just called Whole Foods now. You never know. Huh. So they make these great chewy granola bars. Um, <sighs> ooh, I'm not done. Uh, there's dark chocolate chip, which is the one that I would recommend because I also have a peanut butter chocolate chip, which is fine. But what you want is you want the chewy granola bar that is dark chocolate chip. And what's nice about it is it's not incredibly sweet and it's pretty dense. So like, if you're hungry, it actually helps. But here's the key. You also have to dunk that into... Or take from within the jar and spread it onto the granola bar, Whole Foods smooth peanut butter. Now, what this does is it provides both a perfect recovery food if you've been to the gym, or if you uh, enjoy partaking of cannabis, it's also a wonderful snack. And it and it it satiates just those cravings for sweet and salty that may arise. So this is really three recommendations. Yeah, it's 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 it's. it's it's a mega recommendation with an indirect implicit recommendation.
2: I think that sounds incredible. How often do you think recovery snacks and cannabis snacks overlap?
4: I think that depends on the person. Okay. Some people do <laughs> like train using cannabis. I personally do not. I, That's church and state for me. Sometimes I need to recover from my cannabis use. And and refresh your electrolytes <laughs> with with the granola bar, chock full of potassium <laughs> and magnesium. So that it was just that was the food thing that I feel, I I keep wanting to actually tell everyone about. So why not just do it on a podcast? But the go. other the other thing is the last season of Catastrophe started last or hit Amazon Prime last week. And if you have enjoyed this series, which is uh, Shannon Horgan and Rob Delaney, um, Shannon Horgan created pulling the great UK show. She uh, she's done a bunch of stuff. She's This kind of comedy writing legend and Rob Delaney, who was one of Twitter's first comedy stars, um, they created this show about a couple that has kind of a one night stand that turns into her getting pregnant and them getting married. So we're now in the fourth season, the last season, uh, and it's just always been so wonderful and realistic and acerbic and ridiculous, and it's just great. And it's on Amazon Prime? It's on Amazon Prime. And one day, Stadia. (laughs)
3: Coming to a stadia near you.
4: Coming Um. to a stadia seating for everyone.
0: Arielle, what's your recommendation?
2: Uh, My recommendation is uh, for people who have maybe spent a little too much time staring into their screens, maybe playing a few too many games, maybe like not getting outside or eating in rooms with windows. Maybe your fingers are a little grubby with Cheeto dust.
4: Maybe you don't have a sponge on your controller.
2: (laughs) For those of you um, who would maybe benefit from a little fresh air and the great outdoors, um, I recommend not actually going outside, but instead picking up the latest issue of the New York Times Magazine, which is their Voyages issue, and it is very good. Um, whether or not you like the New York Times Magazine, I think this issue has something for everyone. I personally really enjoyed, um, there's a profile of Rick Steves, who is like just such a character. Um, it, it's, it's a fantastic profile of him, and there's a beautiful, heart-wrenching story in there about a week-long trip to Alaska that takes a turn. Um, it's just lots of wonderful writing and uh, stories that will inspire you to maybe get out and away from your screen. Yeah. Have There's you a- read Katie Weaver's piece yet that's about traveling oh. across the country by train? I have not, but I am the biggest Katie Weaver fan. Yeah,
3: it's a wonderful it's quite, piece. It's really good.
0: Yeah, um, that's, that's the past Sunday New York Times magazine, so like last weekend's, or is it this coming week? You know? It
4: just hit the internet on Wednesday, Thursday. So oh, so that would be this new, this new one. Coming the it's mm-hmm. the new
2: one, but you can also read it online.
4: Perfect.
0: Uh, Lauren, what's your recommendation?
2: Um, my recommendation
3: is my own content. Yes. So. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Nice. Our move. Um, well, I'll be honest. It's just been a little bit of a hellish week in terms of deadlines. And so at night at home, I have not, not Are you done. subtweeting me? Um, yes. Yeah, I'm <laughs> subtweeting my bosses right now. I'm also losing my voice in case you can't tell. Um, I have <laughs> had no fun. <laughs> I know, but I honestly, like, I'm not saying this to complain. It's just been one of those weeks where, like, I come home and I haven't, like, consumed or done anything interesting <laughs> at all.
0: You should try these Whole food. Expand world. my
3: sure
2: It will relax
3: you. I like, I'm gonna I'll catch up. I'll catch up at some point and do something fun and interesting again. So the only thing I have to recommend is that I wrote a, a review of an iPad mini. And regardless of how you feel about the iPad Mini, because I myself am not someone who loves iPads, um, it is hard not to love this little tablet if just merely. For its existence um and it's it's a, it's a good little tablet and um and i would be honored if you all read my <laughs> review
4: and-, and you also wrote 146 other stories this week so when they're done with ipad mini they can get to the rest of them.
3: sure yeah go read my stuff <laughs> make me feel validated thank you I love that. mike what's yours
0: uh, well, I'm also recommending a piece of media. This isn't one I wrote. It's one that Gia Tolentino wrote, but so, she wrote it for, for you. you. Yes, yeah, <laughs> she did, fully, fully for me. That's the day right. this. <laughs> okay, let me just let me back up a minute. If you live in a large city in North America, uh, you may have noticed ads on billboards, on trains, and other public spaces for a show, a stage show, a production called Shen Yun, promising you five thousand years of civilization reborn. Shen Yun is a dance uh, review. It's, um, it has uh, sung, uh, what about, what do they call those, like uh, song components, storytelling components, dancing components. It's a big theatrical display. It's from China. It's a, an organization that's based in upstate New York that tries to promote Chinese culture. You go to the show, and it is, in fact, a big piece of propaganda for Falun Gong, the uh spiritual society i don't even know what to call them i hesitate to call them a cult because that's a very loaded word but a lot of people do refer to them as a cult uh they are a society that uh, challenges the the beliefs traditional beliefs that you may have about spirituality and the nature of the universe and your place in it and it's a big money-making
4: proposition you, for you need a granola bar, man, for Shen Yun.
0: <laughs> For, for Falun Gong. So, you know, you go to the show expecting to see, like, basically like a Chinese opera. And instead, you get a lot of anti-communist propaganda. And also, it turns out, homophobic propaganda and um, other, you know, bad things. Uh, anyway, Gia Tolentino went to see Shen Yun uh, with her family uh, in Houston while she was uh, in a feverish state. She, you know, she had chills and a fever, and she went and like couldn't believe it, and then decided to go again in New York and writes about the experience in this week's uh, issue of The New Yorker. Now, Shen Yun's advertising is so pervasive and so over-the-top weird and sort of enigmatic that it has become a meme. So you can go uh, on the internet and you can find people who basically collect Shen Yun uh, propaganda that's plastered all over their city and then insert it into other contexts. You know, I don't have to – I'm sitting here describing what memes are. Come on. Um, Anyway. I am personally, I'm a big fan of the Shen Yun meme. Um, I have a screensaver that is the Shen Yun meme right now. And when this story went live, I think about seven people who I work with sent me the link over Slack. So, of course, I had to stop whatever I was doing and read it on the spot. And it's fantastic.
4: So, so why was this the year that it became a meme? Because Shen Yun adds...
3: It's been around for five thousand years.
4: Five thousand years. <laughs> Every year you hear it, Shen Yun. Yeah. Every year, and yeah. I've loved it, but it, I've never seen it take on an internet life the way it has this year. Why is that?
0: I don't know. Um, I don't know. As the um, as the wired Shen Yun beat reporter, uh, <laughs> Shen Yuniac. <laughs> As our as our resident Shen Yun meme expert, uh, I don't know. Uh, you know, just how these things just catch these things just gather traction for one reason or another, and they and they all of a sudden become very important in our world. And it's just this is the year for Shen Yun. This is year five thousand and one. This is year zero. <laughs> anyway.
3: And people can read that on newyorker.com.
0: They can read it on newyorker.com. Right. If you just search um, if you just search Shen Yun, New Yorker, or Gia Tolentino, New Yorker, or if you go into the show notes and click on the link that I'm sure we will provide when this show publishes, you, yeah. can, you can read all about it. It's very good. And uh, if you're unfamiliar with the writer, I can highly recommend all of her other stuff. Yeah. She's very good. She just wrote
3: a good piece on outdoor voices, too, the athleisure brand. Oh, that was a great yes. piece. Now, The My New Yorker has a paywall like our own, where you can get a couple of articles for free per month, I think a handful of articles for free per month, and then you'll be incentivized to subscribe.
4: Wait, do they, do they give you a lip kit the way we will give you a lip <laughs> kit? <laughs> that's
3: right, and that's what we're about to get to. <laughs> uh, yeah, because just a reminder, we do have a special offer for you right now, uh, shameless plug. You can go to Wired.com slash flash sale, and uh, you can get an offer of one year of Wired. For five dollars, which is fifty percent off our standard sub- subscription price, um, you can either do print or digital, but it's just five dollars. So check that out. Thank you for listening,
0: uh, Peter Rubin. How can people find you on the Twitter?
4: Uh, they can find me at, at my Twitter account, which is Proven Self, P-R-O-V-E-N-S-E-L-F, uh, which is a good way to keep up with my content. Which I didn't know I could flog on here. Next time, maybe I will.
0: Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, Ariel, how can people find you on Twitter?
2: I'm at Pardesoteric Esoteric, and I have content, too.
0: <laughs> We've all got content, guys. <laughs> Lauren Good, you are?
2: Um, I'm at Lauren
3: Good with an E at the end, and I've already promoted my content.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I am at SnackFight. And you will find all of the best Shen Yun memes in my corner of the internet. <laughs> uh, you can also talk to all of us at Gadget Lab, which is the Twitter account for this show and our team and the coverage that we do about products on Wired.com and in Wired Magazine and on Wired slash video. Um, thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week where we'll talk all about Apple.
4: Hackers and cyber criminals have always held this kind of special fascination.
1: Obviously, I can't tell you too much about what I do. It's a game. Who's the best hacker?
0: And I was like, well, this is child's play.
2: I'm Dina Temple-Raston, and on the Click Here podcast, you'll meet them and the people trying to stop them.
0: We're not afraid of the attack. We're afraid of the creativity and the intelligence of the human being behind it.
2: Click Here,
4: stories about the people making and breaking our digital world. AI machine, satellite,
0: engine ignition, click here, and lift up.
4: Click here every Tuesday and Friday, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule.